Welcome to Hubshots episode 148. In this episode, we look at what people mean when they say we want to do SEO, plus a review of customer journeys and solving for the problem. And we chat through buying cheaper fuel versus batching your travel. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your marketing and sales results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot's CEO, Brian Halligan, does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really well. And what a great question to be tackling in this episode. It's so important, isn't it? I know. It? And why we're covering this is because I've had people contact me and say, oh, we need to do SEO or we are supposedly doing SEO and it's not working. So what do you think people mean when they say we want to do SEO, Craig? Well, this is a good question, isn't it? And like you, I've had clients say we want to do SEO this year. And they mean a couple of things. Yes. Sometimes they just mean, look, we don't want to pay for traffic from Google. We want free traffic. And well, fair enough. Why wouldn't you want free traffic from Google? But other times it actually can be a bit of a catch-all. They're kind of like, we don't have enough leads and sales, so we're not sure what the problem is. We've just got to do SEO. And so SEO becomes this kind of silver bullet that somehow they're magically going to put into place. So I think it's important that we actually understand what SEO is, but actually once we understand what it is, how it's actually applied correctly. Correct. So let's talk about SEO is an acronym for search engine optimization, and it covers all the activities for improving your rankings in the Google search results. Those activities include a mix of technical items on your site. So we call this on-page optimization, and then there's off-page optimization, and then there's producing high-value content, formatting it for Google to easily crawl, and then having other reputable sites linked to your site. But Craig, tell me, what does Google's definition of SEO say? We've actually linked in the show notes to a Google support article where they actually say um, search engine optimization is all about helping search engines understand and present content. And that's probably it in a nutshell. I don't know if many people, if they didn't know what SEO, would actually be able to unpack that. But you can see why it's so general. They're like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, well, we want to, we want we to do, do that. that. <laughs> let's do, if that's what SEO is, let's do SEO. And that's quite right. So here's what we want to break down. So when we talked about that kind of breakdown of what it is, those activities, technical, and one of the things that you mentioned was content. We need great content presented in a way that Google can crawl. So a lot of that's SEO. The important thing, though, is you've got to be ranking for the right terms. It's no good optimizing your site to rank for terms that aren't particularly valuable or commercially relevant to your business. And as obvious as that might sound, it's actually it's quite often we see that, oh, we rank for this term. Does anyone actually really care about that term? No. So we're actually going to chat about this whole idea. It brings in this idea of solving for the problem. Yeah. So let's chat about this solving for the problem, Craig, and where that fits into the whole discussion with SEO. Yeah. So look, I think it's good to have this reminder, solve for the problem. We've covered this in the show many times. And in fact, when we uh, talked about this annual marketing review, which is a great thing for businesses to be doing at the start of the year, that's a key part of it. What are the problems you're trying to solve this year? And we've given plenty of examples in shows where people solve for the wrong problems. 
So we always think about this uh, solve for the problem, and I'll just reiterate this this idea of well, it's the funnel. Although, as we know, the funnel's dead to hand. Um, but this idea of um, well, let's talk stages, about it in stages. Yeah, yeah, stages that people go through on their on. We'll say the customer journey or the buyer's journey on That's their right. way to purchase. So let's start at the top. So this is an awareness, a part of the journey, Craig. Then we've got the consideration, and then we've got the decision part of the journey. Now, think about something that you have bought in the not so long ago and think about how you've actually gone through the process of being aware of you have a need and then doing research about it then actually figuring out if there's a product or a solution that fits that then basically going well who provides the solution of the product and then really going deep into understanding the product and then making a choice about which is the right solution for you, which is the decision stage. You know, I'm going to give a really simple example because this is a great one that HubSpot often use, and yes. that's uh, this whole idea of I've, have I got a cold? Yes. And so at the awareness stage, the, the questions or the problem people are asking is have I got a cold or have I got the flu? And once they've worked that out, then the next question going into consideration mode is, well, what's the remedy for that? Oh, it could be flu tablets, could be other remedies. So they're in consideration, working out what the solution, and then decision is, oh, well, which brand will I buy? And I think that it's we've made it overly simplistic, but it illustrates the that whole stages mentality really well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think this is really important, Craig. I think I talk to lots of people and business owners and they think, oh, I've got this product, I'm going to stick it on my website, and people are going to find it and make their choice. But really... If you take yourself out of that position and stick yourself in the customer's shoes and think, here I am on this journey, how would I even get to this product? And that's what we need to be considering. Well, let's think how this fits in with what we're talking about SEO. Where does SEO fit in? Where does getting free traffic from Google fit in? Because what we'll often find, you know, they don't want to pay for traffic. They're probably bidding on a term that's right at that decision stage. But that simple example of have I got a cold or the flu, shows that you can have content at each of those levels. And a lot of people just write content, the best flu tablets on the market, let's say. I'm making this up, right? But yes. they might use that and they're only going to write content. That means they're only writing content for that decision stage. Correct. What they need to be thinking about is, well, we need to write it at the consideration stage and the awareness stage as well. So there you can see this whole idea of we just want to do SEO. It's not some magic you know, button we press on the site. It's actually thinking about these I guess, stages and writing content that's appropriate for them and not only appropriate, but is really good content. Yes. Because you can bet that if it's a popular subject, other people have already written about it. Again, there's no magic button to make your site suddenly rank better for it unless your content is better. So, Craig, leading on from this onto our marketing feature of the week, and this is about HubSpot lifecycle stages within the system. So, why are we going to use this is, again, this is a journey where people go through. So we wanted to actually highlight it because people often get stuck and go, what does that mean? What does that life cycle stage mean? So I'm just going to quickly go through what the life cycle stages that are predefined in the system that you can use and you can't change. So it's really key that you understand this. Yeah, right? and I'll just preface this by saying this is HubSpot's terminology Correct. to fit with these stages. Other systems like Salesforce and that, they have different terminology and that can be confusing, but we're now moving from a general concept into actual HubSpot-specific terminology. That's right. So let's say first part of the, this lifecycle stage is someone you would call a subscriber. So they know about your business, they've opted into receiving some news, 
and they're likely visitors to your blog, right? Very early, yeah. Very early. Next stage is we would say they're a lead. And this is someone who has shown some sort of readiness and is past that say, stage of a subscriber. So, for example, they inquire on, their, on your contact form and they're interested in buying a house, for example, and they're looking at certain home designs. They've got a bit more specific. That's yes. right. The next one is a marketing qualified lead, or you would call it an MQL. And those are contacts who have engaged with your marketing efforts, right? But are still not ready to talk to sales. So this is a really clear distinction in this step. And you would say that they have actually engaged in a response to some specific marketing campaign that you've done. That's right. They're actually, to talk about those three stages we said before, awareness, consideration, decision, they're moving more into consideration. The next one is a sales qualified lead. And that's, we sometimes would say it's an SQL. And that uh, customers have indicated that they've gone through these actions and they're ready to actually talk to someone in sales or engage in that sales process with the follow-up. And I'll give you a great example of this. They've viewed the pricing page and perhaps they've even requested a quote. That's a big sign that they're a sales qualified lead. The next one is an opportunity. And this is a contact who are real sales opportunities. So after they've gone through some sort of qualification, then you can move them into an opportunity status. And following on from that is a customer status. So, And that's where the deal is closed. They've paid some money or they've there's a transaction being finalised. What's the next one, Craig? Well, there's two others that HubSpot use. So we've those ones you've talked about so far relate to a contact moving through to a customer. There's two others that HubSpot include. One's called an evangelist, which is kind of could be a customer, could be a partner that is actually recommending your services. So they're happy with you, they know you, and they're actually recommending you. And the other one they've got is a bit of a catch-all for anything else. They call it the other life cycle stage and it just means well it's none of the above so we'll put it in other that last bucket okay so here are some considerations to be aware of not to get confused about life cycle stages well not to get confused because it is actually easy to get confused yes Um, it is i'll tell you why because there's also lead status well we're going to talk about that in a second that's kind of like a sub stage of the sales qualified. qualified Yeah. But really it's easy to get confused because although HubSpot's defined these stages, you don't actually have to go in like a one after the other linear fashion. Exactly. So people, when we explain these life cycle stages, they go, oh, right. So I've got to move them from that, then to that, then to that. And I'm like, no, you don't. They could jump from subscriber to customer. Theoretically, people don't usually do that. But it's not out of the question for someone to go, all right, I just signed up for your newsletter. Then there was an offer. Oh, I actually bought your product. Say it's low priced or depending on what your industry is. So you could jump a whole bunch of life cycle stages at once. However, these life cycle stages give you a general guideline for how people move through in in their journey. Correct. So I'll give you a little example, Craig, of uh, working with customers. We work with a lot of customers in the building industry. And because of the process that they go through, Often people can get to a sales qualified lead pretty quickly. And then once they've actually spoken to the salesperson, they can actually move back into a marketing qualified lead until they meet other criteria to move back into a sales qualified lead or even into an opportunity. A really good example is that they might actually want to build a house, but they actually haven't bought the land or they're still searching for the land. So they're actually a qualified buyer 
but they're actually not ready <laughs> ready as yet. So that's a really interesting scenario. So when we've been working with our customers, we actually put in another lead status field is to say, look, they're awaiting land purchase. So then we know, okay, they've been qualified, but they're still awaiting that. That's how we do that. And sometimes they're not even ready. So we'll then move them backwards. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because you can think also from these stages that you can only go forwards. But as you're saying, you can go through these stages, you can push them back. If it's, it's, it's about just marking them as it's appropriate for where Correct. they are in their journey. And I think a really key aspect to this that I've started doing with people that we work with is actually we've given you the HubSpot definitions of all of these stages. Actually try and map them to language that people understand within your business and how does that relate to these stages. I think that will really help people really grasp what it means and how it applies to the business. I'm going to give you one final um, piece of advice to, to listeners because we will get this question with new HubSpot customers. They say, oh, okay, I understand those life cycle stages. That doesn't fit our business. So can we change them? or make other custom properties, we don't want to use their life cycle stage. And we actually say, no, you, you can't, you've got to use it. And so the advice or the suggestion to listeners that maybe this is new to, I'm saying embrace it because I just want to put a lot of time into working this through and distilling a lot of different businesses. And this works well. And I've actually learned this the hard way in businesses and consulting over you know the decades, that when you try and take an established platform and bend it, to your own, you know, people think their own business is so unique. We've got to bend it to our will. It always fails. It adds complexity. And if you just stick with what HubSpot tells you how to use it, that's great. Just do that, uh, embrace it and use it. However, when it comes to our next field, which we're going to talk about, which is lead status, that's where you've got the flexibility. That's right. So this is going to be our sales feature of the week, Craig. We're going to talk about the lead status field. And you can consider lead status as a substage of a sales qualified lead in the life cycle stage, Craig. So let's have a look at what the lead statuses are that well, the, are default. Yeah, the default okay. options, yeah. We start off with new, open, in progress, open deal, unqualified, attempted to contact, connected, and bad timing. Now, this is a field where you can actually change these to make it more appropriate to your business. So in the business that we do lots of work with builders, we actually change a lot of these so we can actually see the different stages that people are in just in case that we need to keep them still in that sales process. Yeah, I don't have um, particularly strong leanings either way, whether you should stick with what HubSpot's given as the default or bend them to your own. But I think it's flexible and I think we've got clients that do both. Some just accept as is and others will actually tailor them, especially around objections. Sometimes they use it as a way to mark objections on particular client, you know, pushback on things and they might have, you know, if they've got some common ones, they set them there. It's available for customization. All right, on to HubSpot Gotcha of the Week, Craig. I'm going to take you here because we had a couple of customers not so long ago say, oh, we logged in and we couldn't see this record. Or it, the screen's blank. I'm like, hang on, what's going on? Anyway, so there might be a system problem. There might be something wrong. The best way to find out as a first port of call is to go to a page or a site on the HubSpot website called status.hubspot.com and it'll actually detail how the system status is across all the marketing, sales, service products. And you can see if there have been outages, if there's things in play, if there are things to be resolved, 
when they expect it to be resolved, and then what is going on. So that's a great place to go. That is a great tip. Now, I just realized when I was um, chopping these show notes and moving stuff around as we were preparing this, um, our summary piece that pulled all that together got removed. So I'm just thinking, why don't we do a quick recap? Because we covered a whole bunch of stuff. We covered SEO. Then we covered that solve for the problem and the different customer journey stages. Then we covered the HubSpot lifecycle stages, which are basically a breakdown of those different stages. And then we covered the lead status. lead status. So let's pull all that together because we've started with SEO. How do we pull all that together in terms of all those different stages and where SEO fits in? So you can actually think about, if you think about the lifecycle stage, Craig, and the lead statuses, even within the lead status, you could actually say, if I'll use the example of guys looking for land that they need to build a house on, maybe if you see someone in that status, you could think, well, what content could I give this or what email nurture could I put this person in to help them actually buy land? Or, you know, maybe you have an option where you can say, well, we often have land coming up. Would you like to join our waiting list to get the land? And you could say everybody that's in this life cycle stage with this lead status needs to be in this in this list to be notified. So that's one way to use it. And that's how I tie it all together. And maybe educating people about how do you find a good block of land? Because one thing I find really interesting is that people, I'm not sure, you know, if you're building a house, the flatter the block of land, the better it is, the cheaper it is to build and the easier it is to build, right? As soon as there's slope and slope is in varying degrees, sometimes people look at blocks of land and say, oh, that's not too slopey. But to a builder, that could be a few degrees of slope, which means that they've actually got to cut and fill the site. So they've got to get a bulldozer in there, level it all out. And that's extra cost because they might have to bring in material, they might hit rock, all sorts of things can happen. But you could look at it and go, that's not really sloping, but it's actually not flat. So there are so many things to consider when you're actually looking for a block of land because there are people that won't build on certain blocks and there are people that will build on certain blocks. And that's a really great education piece to people to understand what am I looking for? That's an excellent example. So just to put that in context, you're actually now talking about a very specific part of the purchase journey that someone's going on, answering a very specific problem that's way down in their journey. And so to listeners, this is a really good example, all those life cycle stages. So at a minimum, you should be thinking about content in your like awareness stage, general awareness, then some in your consideration stage, and then some in decision. But what we can actually see from these different life cycle stages and then lead status stages or field, you could actually have content for each one of those specifically tailored for where people are. Are they a marketing qualified lead? We're trying to move them to sales qualified. There's a piece of content there around what's relevant to your business that they will be searching for. So hopefully that's uh, given listeners a great framework to think about where SEO fits in. It's not just, oh, I'll go to a keyword tool and search for something that's got the highest volume and try and rank for it. It's really about thinking what content can provide really high value at each of these stages and how we track and think about customers going on their journey. That's right. I think... We talked about this today in other conversations, but it's how are we solving the problem for people that are actually on that journey? If you just come with that mindset, I think the rest work kind of works itself out. All right, Craig, on to our insight of the week. Now, this is really good. I, I love this uh, comparison and you alerted me to this in a recent conversation. It's so good. And it's this, uh, let, me, let me consider three different people, right? And just so just, let's give context. Yeah, just right? just just bear with us. This is why we set this up. Or, or what was the context? You the context in? was I was driving 
here to your office. Yeah. Right. And I could have taken all the roads that were in tolls. Yeah. My goal was to get here the quickest. Yeah. Because time is valuable. Yeah. And so I was happy to pay the tolls. But I was also talking about the fuel because in terms of I'm quite, I'm a bit savvy with fuel. So I have a fuel app. I see, I see the trends. I fill up on days when it's low. I don't go chasing it, but I think, well, I'll be a bit strategic about this, but just understanding time and effort in terms of, you know, it might cost me more money, but I get back time. So first person, let's say they chase cheap petrol or cheap gas or cheap fuel, yes. whatever you want to say. They chase it because they want to save a few cents a litre. Nothing wrong with that. Second person, they want to avoid the tolls. So they're going to go around the back roads and things like that. Nothing wrong with that. The third person, and you can see where we're going now, the third person says, right, I'm going to batch all my important meetings on one day to minimise my overall travel. So three different approaches there, all totally appropriate, but one of them significantly more impactful. That third one, batching, saves you a tonne of kilometres, time and everything. So why are we bringing this up? It's a great analogy because in marketing, what we often come across is people that are just so fixated on saving a few cents on their gas, so to speak, that they miss out these advantages of batching whole things. So we're going to give you some examples of that, but we just thought we'd set it up with that little example. And that's why we called it saving on petrol costs versus batching your travel into one place just to make the point. So what are some of the examples? So Craig, before we start, Mm. we're going to start using these, we call them false marketing mindset, right? Yep. So we'll just got a hashtag on that one. Yep. So let me start with number one, people that focusing on saving a few cents on Google ad campaigns instead of optimizing their landing pages so they actually convert the traffic that they're getting. Yep, that's a good one. Or here's another one. They focus on increasing engagement on social instead of increasing follow-ups by sales. Next one. Chasing cheap impressions on the display network instead of highly targeted impressions on an appropriate network like LinkedIn. As an example, not recommending LinkedIn for everyone, but for some people, the higher costs are worth it. What about spinning out lots of cheap fluff content instead of a few quality pieces? Well, in light of our discussion on SEO, hopefully that's obvious why that wouldn't work particularly well. And yet we find people doing, oh, no, I can save, I can get these cheap articles written save money there instead of actually focusing on quality. Yeah, and you know what? Talking about that, the person that came to me and said we want to do SEO had lots of content but no traffic to it. So there's a good example. Next one, using cheap bulk cold calling teams rather than training outbound callers to research the contacts that they're calling. So why we highlight this is there is so much richness in contact records within HubSpot in terms of what people do their Twitter profile, maybe a picture of themselves. There is so much, so many things you can actually do to find out more about the individual you're talking to and not using that is actually placing in a really bad place. Yeah, I'm actually just going to expand on this a bit because we've seen this with clients where they go, oh, look, we just get the junior in to do all those calls, those outbound calls. They're just on a rotator doing it. And then I've got other clients where they got, no, we've actually got senior people that will think about a contact before they call them, get a bit of data, check them out on LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff, call them, much higher success rate. And it's kind of interesting because you can see people go, oh, we just want to get this many calls out. Our KPI metric is this many calls. Not quality. Not focusing on the outcome and certainly not focused on training. And they're applying the cheapest person in the business. So what you're saying is, you know what? The very first contact you have with our business is with our cheapest person who hasn't been trained. 
that's your first impression of our business. And wow, I wonder why that doesn't work. Next thing, fixating on going viral instead of going profitable. And this happens everywhere, doesn't it, Craig? It does. I'm surprised this still happens. So we uh, clients will say, and I don't mean to bag our clients because this is not, it's not like they're, I don't think it's like them being silly or something about it, but they will say, oh, we want to go viral with this. How do we go viral? And I'm like, if it was easy to do, everyone would do it, like the whole point of it. And so, again, I'm not, I'm not actually making fun of them, but it is, it, there does seem to be this mindset. And I think a lot of it to blame, uh, a lot of the blame for this goes on some of these higher profile marketers, you know, those celebrity marketers where they get out and they say, oh, I did this, you know, this growth hack and look, it went viral and all. So it is out there in, I guess, out in the ecosystem there. We're just going to be mindful of that because, yeah, going viral. Uh, and the, that's, the other thing is often you go viral and you get no benefit. You make no, 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 money. no business uh, benefit from it. So, yeah, it's all about going profitable. The next one, not wanting to add contacts into HubSpot because it may cost them money and instead of focusing on keeping all of their contacts clean. So here's a really good one, having lots of contacts that are actually not active, bounced, not cleaning that out and just thinking, oh, every time I add a contact, it's going to cost me money. That's right. And just a final example, this idea of all leads that are generated not being good instead of understanding who you want and what problem you can solve for them. So this is this idea we get leads and they just like, oh, no, that's not a good lead without even looking at them, isn't it? We've had clients. Absolutely. And I've had this and, you know, we've had to work with sales teams and even tell sales teams. People might make inquiries during the day. They might try to go, oh, they didn't answer or, you know, they couldn't, they left, left a message even though sometimes they don't leave a message. But how about thinking that person might be at work and they can only speak to them in their lunch break or use a different method of communication with them. Maybe an SMS to say, hey, I tried to call you. Call me back when it's convenient. We can talk about how to help you. All right, on to our retirement of the week, Craig. Just quickly, the predictive lead scoring changes. Just an update on last episode because we now have a date that's going to happen. Correct. First of March. First of March. All right. Onto our resource of the week, Craig. Yeah, so this was a LinkedIn Pulse article from um, Clayton Christensen, who many people know, you know, the Invaders Dilemma and books from, well, decades ago. Anyway, he's got a piece just on after 25 years of studying innovation, what he's learned. So you should read this piece. By the way, great example of content marketing because basically it's a blurb, uh, a spruiking of his latest book, which I'm going to buy okay. based on this but article. You know what? I, when you shared this with me and I read it, I was like, Wow. I actually got a lot out of it. So I would encourage readers to spend some time and actually read it. Let's pull out one thing from there, Craig. Yeah, look, he's talking about the value of management. And I hadn't really thought about this this deeply, but he says, management isn't simply about P&L statements, meeting quarterly growth and profitability targets and creating brand awareness. There are byproducts of good management. Management is about waking up every day and helping people become better people so that they can do better work and live better lives. I don't Gold. Know, I actually don't have to explain that to people. When you read that, you're like, oh, that's management. You're valuable. So if you're a manager, if you're a marketing manager and you've got a team, you can actually help people do better work and have better lives. He gives a great example in this. Sorry, I've just hijacked this thread because I'd remembered something else in that. He talks about this thought experiment of imagine a person waking up happy in the morning, going to work, but then just being so deflated deflated by their manager and then going home and, you know, that just 
impacts their family, their kids, all that kind of thing versus a person that goes up and they're inspired at work, great manager, and they go home inspired, tired, fatigued from doing great work, but then, you know, spreading, um, well, I guess, joy and love with their family. A manager can do that. Okay. So if you're a marketing manager, keep that in mind. All right, onto our quote of the week, Craig. And this is from a book called 24 Assets by Daniel Priestley. And I'm going to read this out because it was a really good quote that you highlighted to us. So the absolute key to being successful long-term in business is to deliver remarkable value and surprise and delight your customers beyond their expectations. If you get this right, your customers become your marketing department and it's hard to keep up with the demand that is generated from their positive comments. I don't think that requires any more explanation. All right, we've got some bonus links of the week, Craig. And I want to highlight this one. This also is probably to do with SEO. Google is now creating featured snippets from PDF content. So have a read of that because there's another opportunity for you if you're trying to actually rank and Google's now doing that using content from PDFs. We'd love you to rate and leave us some feedback as it helps us improve and reach more listeners. And we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. So don't be quiet. Please do contact us. And there are many ways through Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Find Craig's happy face and my happy face and let us know. We'd love to talk to some of our listeners. Love to hear from you, yes. Yeah. So, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.